Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to a brand new edition of geek to me Radio, episode 234. Today we're joined by writer, editor, creator, Paul Kupperberg, talking about his incredible career working in comics for several decades. We'll pick his brain this hour and more. Stand by. Tuning in for the first time, welcome to Geek to Me Radio. I'm your host, James Enstall. Each week, we try to bring you a new guest from the world of pop culture, be it TV, movies, comics, or video games. And today, we have a very special guest. Right now, we're talking with Paul Kupperberg, legend in the field of comics, all the writing he's done between uh, not just comics, but novelizations, uh, guides, Mayfair games, and all sorts of other stuff. We're going to dig into it now. Paul, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Uh, it's always great sure. to talk to people who, you know, I I read your stuff growing up and it, it influenced so many other people with their conception of, of storytelling and things like that. And starting out, what got you into writing? Um, you know, I don't know. It's just something I always did. Uh, I, I was doing it as long as I could remember. Uh, you know, I started out writing and drawing my own comics uh, uh, in, in when I was about, you know, seven, eight years old, um, <clears throat> quickly realized that the drawing part was not so uh, was not so easy. So I just switched <laughs> over to the writing. Um, but, yeah, it's just something that I've always done. It's always been, uh, you know, just there. And coming up when you were reading, obviously, a comic book fan yourself, wh- who were you reading? Who were the kind of people who you kind of uh, credit as your influences? Um, well, I mean, I uh, I started reading comics really around 1960, 61. So, um, you know, at the time it was uh, it was still pretty primitive. You know, we, we right. had uh, we had the, the Mort Weisinger Superman where, you know, most of it was, well, lots of stories were about how uh, you know Clark has to uh, fool Lois into in, into not thinking he's Superman, or you know pulling a prank on Jimmy, or Jimmy pulling a prank on Barry, or whatever. <laughs> you know, and Batman was fighting aliens and robots um, over in the Jack Schiff edited titles, and uh, Marvel didn't exist yet. And you know, Wonder Woman was uh, was was uh, meeting up with dragons and fairies and genies and and uh, Merboy and Bird Boy and and uh, uh, Wonder Tot. So you know, it was just a it was just a weird, funky kind of time. And then when you came in, you worked under Julius Schwartz, who legendary editor for the titles he worked on. Uh, but you got to you got to work on so many titles. Uh, your run on Doom Patrols remains one of my favorite. I think that we're seeing a lot oh, of the influences you. there 
in the current series on uh, originally DC Universe and HBO Max, the Doom Patrol series. Have you been keeping mm-hmm. up with that one? I've I've seen the first season. Uh, yeah, it was real good. And you know they they used my my uh, my Doom Patrol, so that was that was cool. Um, yeah, it's good to see that they're uh, that they're living on. You know, it seems that uh, the upcoming uh, Peacemaker series yeah. is uh, uh, you know got some of my fingerprints on it. And uh, according to James Gunn, uh, uh, the director, a lot of the you know uh, a lot of the stuff uh, I did in, in Checkmate and uh, and uh, and Vigilante and stuff, and what John Ostrander was doing, and of course Suicide Squad you know, also heavily influencing that. So absolutely. And that's one of the great things to see that, uh, James Gunn put John Ostrander in suicide squad. He's got that little cameo, uh, yeah. because James Gunn has such a, a love of comic books too. It, are, are we going to get to see a Paul Kupperberg cameo in maybe uh, peacemaker? <laughs> uh, that would be, that, that would be embarrassing. Uh, no, <laughs> no. Um, you know, I, I haven't been asked. I mean, you know, it's just kind of a, a little bit of tweeting with James Gunn, you know. Every every now and then, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll tweet something and he'll respond uh, very very kindly. So, and that's kind of how you and I connected on Twitter because I I put out a tweet uh, probably last year sometime how my very 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 first DC Comics was Superpowers uh, Volume Two Number Five with Batman the Flash and Robin mm-hmm. going to apocalypse and you were the writer on that. And it's Jack Kirby artwork, which is just right. classic. That's uh, do you get a lot of that people reaching out and saying, Hey, you were my first comic book that I read. You, you wrote this or you worked on this. That's gotta be a very gratifying feeling for you. Well, usually it's people reaching out and saying, you know, I, I read your comic and it was the last one I'm ever going to read. Oh my God. So <laughs> it's the, no, it's um, occasionally, you know, uh, I, I, you know, during that era, I wrote so many of them that, um, you know, it, it was it's almost inevitable that I was going to be somebody's first uh, story somewhere. And it's a very prolific. I think you've got over a thousand stories listed when you go like you mentioned Vigilante and Peacemaker, but Green Lantern, Brave and the Bold Showcase, uh, even ones like House of Mystery and Weird War Tales and things like that. But Justice League, yeah. you covered all those. Is there a character at DC Comics you haven't worked on? Well, I, I, there are lots uh, certainly these days, uh, but uh, back then, I, I uh, I'm sure there were there were characters I didn't I didn't touch, but um, not a lot of them. You know, back during this, the the mid '70s through the '80s, I was uh, I was doing a lot of you know utility uh, work at DC, fill-ins and backup stories and one shots and things like that. So, um, I, I did get around. <laughs> and with all the projects you've worked on, do you have one that if someone were to say, Paul, what are you most proud of during your time at DC? Do you have one project you can say, this was really, I think, one of the crown jewels in my collection? There are a few things I'm, I'm real proud of. Um, uh, 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 the last, uh, Vigilante number 50, the last issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, even the, even the, the year or so running up to that, uh, that ended with Adrian Chase's, uh, you know, inevitable suicide. Um, you know, I think that was, uh, I'm pretty proud of that. Um, there was, uh, 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 the Phantom Stranger miniseries I did with Mike Mignola. Yeah. Uh, very proud of that one. Um, you know, so there, there were things, there are stories and, 
you know, there's there's a couple of the Julie Schwartz edited Superman stories that it's like, yeah, that holds up. And then there are other ones where it's like, you know, the great Toy Man uh, trivia contest. Um, you know, so, which is, uh, does not hold up so well. <laughs> but, you know. And you've got a book out, How to Write Comics. Obviously, you've had such a great experience uh, in the field, all the stuff you've worked on. What was the genesis of the idea? Did someone say, hey, you should write a book? Or was it something that was kind of an idea simmering in the back of your mind? Um, well, a lot of people have said you should write a book uh, uh, about it. Usually I, you know, uh, I, I would poo-poo the idea because I like saying poo-poo. And, <laughs> who doesn't? Um, who doesn't? Sure. Um, uh, but, you know, over the years I would, you know, write columns or, 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 or uh, you know, blog posts a little bit here and there about writing or, or whatever. And, um, you know, over time, I, I realized that I, I kind of had enough to, to start a how-to write book. And I had the time and, and uh, you know, just decided to, to go for it. Um, so, yeah, it was done purely on on spec. Um, but, um, you know, once it was finished, it was like I, I thought it made sense. And how long did the book take uh, from conception to actual publication? Um, well, there were a few years lagging in between writing it and publishing it because, you know, I was, uh, I was trying to get it published. I was sending it out to various publishers and, and that takes, um, an obscenely inordinate amount of time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, finally, after a while, it was just like, I, I will just do this myself and, and be done with it. So. Um, uh, published it last year through Charlton Neo comic, uh, Charlton Neo press. And, um, you know, it's available on amazon.com and it's called Paul Kupperberg's illustrated guide to writing comics in case anybody wants to go looking. And we'll pull a link to that, uh, in the show notes. If you're listening right now and want to check that book out, we'll have a link up where people can get that. Um, it's probably at local comic book stores and local bookstores too, which we obviously always nope. recommend. But if you, if you can't get it there, by all means, we'll put an Amazon link up and uh, people yeah. can get it online. When, yeah, no, the only only place to get it from is uh, Amazon or or I sell copies direct if people want them signed and personalized. Oh, perfect. And we'll be able to, that kind of guy. We'll be able to get that done at Terrificon because you're going to be attending uh, July 30th through August 2nd. We had Mitch Halleck on the show a couple oh, weeks back, and it, it's it's such a fun show. That's that's uh, Terrificon's a great experience. It is. It is. I'm having lunch with Mitch next week, and I'm I'm. Girding my loins. Um, uh, no, it's uh, actually Mitch was the last person I had uh, lunch with before the, um, uh, the, 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 you know, the lockdown. Yeah. Um, and uh, now post lockdown, it turns out he's the first as well. It just proves I need to broaden my acquaintances. <laughs> Are you going to get pizza? Because I know he he's a pizza guy. He likes to record his podcast with Jerry Ordway at pizza places. Yeah. No, I think uh, I think we're going to hit a diner. But, okay. uh, you know. But you never know. So during the pandemic, obviously, a lot of people, uh, creative types especially, locked down and started being creative. Other people were just, you know, they kind of, it was nice to have the break. How did you spend your lockdown and pandemic? Well, I'll tell you the truth is not a difference between uh, a lockdown and pandemic and being a freelancer. <laughs> you know, um, it, it really, the difference is almost unnoticeable. Hmm. Um. And uh, uh, fortunately, I, I live with somebody with whom uh, 
I have a smooth and, and easy relationship. So it was, you know, That's there hasn't important. been any hassles and, and it's been, you know, I mean, it's been, it's been stressful just, you know, on the surface because, you know, pa- you know, pandemics are stressful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, but otherwise, you know, thank goodness I, I've uh, muddled through. And with all the stuff you've got, uh, I find it interesting, you know, someone like you, you've worked on comics, you've also written novels, uh, you've done a bunch of other projects. As a writer, do you feel like it engages a different part of your brain when you're doing a comic book format versus doing like uh, one of your Spider-Man novels versus writing a guide for Mayfair Games? Or is it all simply writing? It's just like swimming. You're doing the breaststroke versus the, you know, the... The the side stroke is it kind of like that, or is it completely different for each project? I don't know that it's completely different. I mean, you know, there's I guess there's certain levels of intensity depending on what you're doing. Um, uh, you know, writing a uh, uh, you know a Mayfair guide. Well, actually, writing the the uh, Atlas to the DC Universe was was you know head banging against the wall, frustrating mm. and annoying. Uh, but yeah, because this was before you know I wrote this. Uh, what around 1990 or what 91 somewhere around there it was published and um uh, uh we didn't have an internet yeah uh so you know you do the research oh no wait i had to. <laughs> um but um you know so it was all bits and pieces of paper and and xeroxes and, you know um but you know that kind of there, there's that that's that's a more straightforward kind of writing, you know, you just kind of like, you're just the facts and, and, and you get it down, uh, as opposed to writing something, you know, fiction, which is requires a, you know, a bit more effort and, 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 uh, hopefully finesse. So. And you came back to be editor for a DC comics after writing for them. Was it, uh, how much, how had things kind of changed as, as a writer, you were doing it a little earlier on, you came back, later in your career to do the editing and things like that. What were the biggest changes you noticed from like working on the projects in like the late seventies and eighties and things like that, these great projects you did versus editing books in kind of a, a different decade, obviously the nineties had a different feel to them versus the two thousands and everything. What was, what was the major difference you noticed on your end? We're going to take a pause here, do a quick commercial break and be right back. You're listening to geek to me radio. Please stand by. Greg Sipes, the voice of Beast Boy, and you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. That's what's up. Welcome back to Geek to Me Radio. We want to make sure we give a shout out to our official movie sponsor, Marcus Theaters. Marcus Theaters and Movie Tavern. You can go to the website, marcustheaters.com, to find the location closest to you, be it a Marcus Theaters or Movie Tavern location. You can also buy your tickets, read movie reviews, all that right from the comfort of your own home or your smart device. Download the Marcus Theaters app. And that way you can buy your tickets right through the app. You can even order your concessions right there. So they'll be ready and waiting for you when you show up to the theater uh, based on obviously your movie time when you pick your tickets out and things like that. A great time to get out and see movies. We almost feel like summer blockbuster season with all these great movies that are coming out. We just saw the previews uh, when we went and saw Cruella. There are previews for Black Widow 
for Shang-Chi, No Time to Die. The movies are coming back, and there's no better place to see the movies than a Marcus Theaters or Movie Tavern location. Once again, go to the website, MarcusTheaters.com, to get your tickets, find the location closest to you. All that and more right from the website, MarcusTheaters.com, for the best movie-going experience in the galaxy. Before we took that last break, we were chatting with Paul Kupperberg, and we asked him the biggest difference in comics as an editor in the 90s compared to uh, what he did as a writer in other decades. Yeah, the the 90s were just this funky time for comics. It was just, you know, there were big changes were going on just in, 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 you know, there was the Marvel bankruptcy early on and, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, just sales in general were, were hitting the toilet. You know, there was the, the, um, the letdown after the whole, you know, death of Superman and, yeah. and, uh, and variant cover boom, boom. Um, you know, so there was this, things were not looking well. And I think there was just, um, uh, you know, comics seemed to be trying too hard to find the next thing. Hmm. Um, and you know, you can't force the next thing, but they were trying. Um, and there were a lot of things were tried and discarded, uh, uh, often quickly because, you know, it was like there was no immediate gratification. Um, so, you know, it just, it didn't have the same, you know, the, the, the same ease as it felt uh, from, from, you know, the, the, the more innocent days and, you know, and comics were just getting kind of nasty and ugly too, hmm. you know, just the stories. Um, you know, I mean, you know, I, I played my part in that in the eighties. I was, I was an early adapter of Grim and Gritty. You know, I was doing that in Vigilante and, right. and uh, 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 Checkmate and Peacemaker. Um, but, you know, it just seemed to 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 go everywhere. And ah, that's fuck it. It's, it's been it's it's been downhill ever since crisis. Let's face it. Come on. <laughs> but there's some of those 90s. And again, I think it's everybody has their own experience with what was going on in their lives when certain comic books came out. And I remember, obviously, the 90s seemed like it was a, a huge shift in change. We had four new Superman. Uh, Diana was no longer Wonder Woman. Artemis was. We had a brand new Green Lantern and Kyle Rayner. Uh, you know, uh, John Paul yeah, became Batman. It, it was all shtick. You know, it, it, it went from being stories to being gimmicks and shtick. You know, everybody was somebody different. It seemed like it hit all at once, too. That was the weirdest thing. It just it hit all at once. Well, you know, it if it worked once, you know, everybody jumps on it and hopes it'll work again. I mean, you know, my death, you know, uh, uh, you know, I did a death of Wonder Woman, you know. Yeah. Because everybody was dying. It was the thing to do. <laughs> um, so, you know, it was just all becoming one big circle jerk. And and. um you know, just not as much fun. And besides that, you know, there was there was just the 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 people in charge were sometimes like, you know, good creators, not good administrators. Hmm. You know, I mean, we when we did the death of Wonder Woman, um, and you know, there was the cover was this mock newspaper uh, uh, front page with you know Wonder Woman dies, Princess Diana dead, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And and guess what other Princess Diana died, you know, I forget yeah. if it was a week before or a week after yeah. that cover hit. And one of the one of the people in charge said to me, how could you let that happen? Eesh. 
Now, you know, it's hard to have this, uh, you know, a lot of faith and leadership like that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's it's one of those things. Again, comic book world, you don't think of it. But at the time, those two events coinciding. Yeah, it could. uh, I'm sure that probably raised my brows, but it's it's one of those things. I don't know if comics for every for every person who came before us, the comics were like that's when they were good. Like I'm looking back now thinking comic books in the 80s were great and other people a little younger than me say, no, no, no. The nineties were the time when it was really good. Absolutely. So I, I, Look, uh, I always say the golden age of comics is whatever you read when you were 11. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's when you're a kid and you just are you're absorbing the exactly. material. So yeah. what are you, do you keep up with comics currently as they are? Or is it something that like, if you are, are you reading the current DC books or anything no. from Marvel or anything? No, no. And is that just a, no. a conscious decision or is it kind of like, you don't have time for it really? Um, um, Frank, <laughs> frankly, when I had to start paying for that crap, <laughs> I decided, you know, I'll do without things. Sure. That makes sense. I, um, I can't blame you there. Yeah. But it's um, nice to always come back and revisit, I mean, especially, like I said, when you're doing a convention like Terrific Con, because uh, people are very appreciative of your work. And a lot of these comics we're seeing now, you laid the groundwork for those in some instances. As we talked about, even with some of the movies, we had Vigilante in uh, season six of Green Arrow, I think, on the CW. Right. But that's uh, when you see your characters pop up. Do you, are you watching all these shows and kind of critiquing it? Or are you, are you able to just kind of let go and enjoy the, the show or the movie? Oh, well, it's hard to enjoy the CW shows, so I don't watch them. <laughs> no, um, none of them have grabbed you at all? Um, Flash the first couple of seasons, but after that, it just turned stupid. Um, you know, it's like every, every, every new story arc is, you know, Barry has just screwed something up horribly Mm -hmm. and, but he's got a plan to fix it. And they all go, no, Barry, you just screwed it up horribly. We can't let you do that. And he turns his big brown eyes on them and goes, trust me guys. And they go, all right. And then he goes (laughs) off and does some ruins, you know, and breaks something else. Right. Um, and the dialogue is just like, um, you know, uh, you know, I, I look, the audience is 13 year old girls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I ain't. So, yeah, um, no, that makes sense. Yeah. And what about the more adult stuff? Like we mentioned Doom Patrol. You said you dug the first couple of uh, yeah. the seasons, but uh, or the first couple episodes of the first season. Uh, some of the more adult stuff on HBO Max and the animated stuff is always because that's one of the things I've found when I've d- discussed uh, the genre with other DC comics fans is the animated stuff is far above as far as script, as far as obviously everything else above the live action things, which is kind of a hard pill to swallow, be, but it also well, animation tends it to lends itself to the comic book medium too. Well, I, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, when, when you start putting, uh, when, when you start making these people real and putting them on screen, the, kind of you know ridiculousness of it starts to become very prominent mm-hmm. you know the the padded costumes and the and the, and the stilted dialogue and the you know the kind of uh uh, uh you know that that preening that that superheroes tend to do and by the way if one more superhero lands from flying and hits the ground hard and then goes down to his knee and then slowly rises somebody's getting slapped <laughs> that's it um, but you know, so it, 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 you know, the, the silliness kind of becomes, you know, as you can tell, I've become a curmudgeon. Um, uh, <laughs> you're entitled, uh, but, you I know, think. Well, 
you know, my feeling is I'm no longer the audience for this stuff. You know, they're, they're not writing it for me. They're not creating the movies for me. There's a very specific audience. And, and again, I'm not it. You know, I'm not the 13 year old girl watching Supergirl. Um, and I love the Supergirl character. I mean, you know, in, in the early 60s, uh, Action Comics was one of the first things I collected because a Superman. Mm-hmm. And but the backup was Supergirl. Yeah. And, you know, I love that. That was that, um, uh, you know, Jerry Siegel, Jim Mooney era of Supergirl. And it was, you know, great stuff um, in 1964. Um, you know, but I've moved on and comics moved on too um you know a lot of people use the word mature and adult i I think you know they're mistaking purience and violence for for maturity but Mm -hmm. you know um that's just me and like i say i'm a curmudgeon but but um you know i i've tend to you know it it, it, i've just taken a step back from the stuff and and just kind of you know when i look at it now it's like yeah see there that doesn't work that's you know, yeah. whatever. And I will say Supergirl, I loved your Supergirl series too in the eighties. And it was obviously quite updated from the sixties stuff that happened sure. in action comics. And it was post crisis, but it was still recognizable as the yes. same character. Yes. Yeah. And it was, it was a great run. It was, it was fun. You had, you know, you threw Superman in there towards the end and it was, uh, it, it, it very much, it, it, it I have a great love of all things eighties. Cause that's when I grew up, but that sure. Sup- Supergirl series, I've got that entire run still in my collection. It's one of my favorites. And I think oh, you great. did a great job bringing her into a more modern era, the 80s era. But like you said, it was still recognizable. So was that a line you consciously wanted to walk to make her the same but update everything? Um, no, that's just what you did. Hmm. You know, back pre-crisis, there was no question of I'm going to reinvent this character for my run. It was like, no, you're going to do this character, but in your stories. Um, you know, it it, it wasn't. You know, it was it was an editor's medium medium back then. Hmm. Um, you know, it was uh, you know when you worked for the Julie Schwartz office, you did Julie Schwartz stories, right? You know, that was it. And you know, hey, fine by me. I grew up on his uh, you know Superman in the seventies, and I loved it. Uh, you know, and and you know besides that, you know he he was editor of the Flash and Green Lantern and Justice League and and adam and you know all uh, adam strange all the best books of the of the early 60s which uh, early to mid 60s which was my you know my golden age yeah yeah with uh with the characters like the ones we've just talked about and everything like that are adapted for the big screen uh we see we see hints of the work going all the way back to the silver age in certain aspects of it when you when you look at all the different comic books you've written on we think of certain pairs like George Perez and Marv Wolfman on Teen Titans. Uh, right. There are certain writers and artists who are just synonymous. Who is who is kind of like the George Perez to your Marv Wolfman? Who was who was one of the artists who you felt you had the best simpatico relationship with in all the books you've done? And we're going to have to stop again. We have another commercial break we need to take, but stick around. We'll have more with Paul Kupperberg here on geek to me Radio. Stand by. Hi, this is George Newbern, the voice of Superman. You are listening to geek to me Radio. Welcome back to geek to me Radio. See, that wasn't too long, was it? 
Uh, chatting with Paul Kupperberg, and as we're talking about his comics career, I asked him uh, what artist of all the ones he's worked at was one of his favorites on the various projects that he's undertaken. It's hard to, to pick one. I mean, you know, it, um, comics were not that collaborative back in the old days, you know? Hmm. Um, like, I wrote a full script. And I turned it into the editor and I didn't know in half the cases who would be drawing it until I saw it. Oh, wow. Um, you know, I didn't know Jack Kirby was going to be drawing that superpowers miniseries. That's interesting. I, I, you, know? I you always think that you're kind of working with somebody and uh, obviously no. it differs DC versus Marvel versus the time period, too. But we're, we're I mean, that had to have been a very pleasant surprise to find out Jack Kirby will be the one drawing oh, no your problem. words. Yeah. yeah, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> No, I had a, I was, you know, given some nice prizes a few times, you know, by by editors. It was like, you know, the another uh, uh, story for Schwartz was uh, 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 an issue of DC Comics Presents uh, Superman and Madame Xanadu. And he uh, he had Gray Morrow draw it, hmm. which, you know, like brilliant artist. You know, what what a treat to see, you know, Gray's take because he was such a realistic artist, you know, like even more, you know, Kurt Swan was grounded in reality. Yeah. But Gray actually drew reality, you know. Um, so it was really interesting to see his Superman, you know, who actually looked like a guy in a Superman suit. It right. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, so I've had that. Um, uh, but, you know, I've worked with a lot of people who, who always kind of, you know, they, they got it. Uh, I was just, uh, you know, uh, making, uh, made a joke with Alex Saviuk, uh, um, about something. And, you know, when, when I look back, back in the eighties, we probably did about four or 500 pages of comic books together. Wow. You know, but that was all working off of full scripts Yeah. or, you know, detailed plots. Uh, you know, if I would do a page by page breakdown, it would be panel by panel, page by page, you know? Um, so again, not a real, not, you know, not a collaboration per se, you know? Hmm. Um, and some of the other projects uh, you've worked on, you were w working back in the 80s when video games were really kind of hitting another golden age, if you will. Uh, you were the assistant editor of Video Action Magazine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that that had to have been, again, a golden age for video games. That must have been a great time to be writing about these and working on things that were basically a new genre. These arcades were popping oh, sure. up all over and home arcades like the Atari 800 and things like that. Talk a little bit about right. that period, what that was like. Um, well, we were the second video magazine on the market um, uh, uh, after – what the hell was the big one? I forget what it was called. Uh, but um, uh, it was published uh, – I was living in Chicago at the time, and it was published out of there. And you know, um, they also did a, a monster magazine. Um, I'm trying – I'm blanking on the name of the monster magazine. But you know, a pretty big one pretty well-known one at the time and um you know he got some extra bucks it was real it was real low rent i mean you know this was this was like you know not big time publishing <laughs> uh, this was this was we we had to go in when we went in once in dark suits with toy plastic machine guns and sat in the lobby until he gave us checks <laughs> and, thre and threatened to go yeah and he had people investors coming in and stuff um so you know and then once you got a check from Irv, you know, cash it. Right. So, um, <laughs> but still, it was it was great. It was it was a great experience. I got to work on, 
you know, despite the fact that it was, you know, low rent publishing, it was still nonetheless, you know, we yeah. were we were doing a, a magazine, a regular magazine. I was writing uh, a shit ton of of content for it, you know, uh, uh, front of the book and back of the book, you know, regular features and uh, uh, news features and reviews and things like that. Um, we got to see a lot of porn because uh, back in 1980. Uh, like 95% of the uh, video market was porn, you know, sure. porn, porn's always an early adapter. Yeah. Um, and, um, uh, you know, so we'd get these things for review and we didn't really review porn because, you know, we were trying to be a, although most of our advertising at first was, you know, but, um, um, yeah, it was fun. It was fun. And I got to do some stuff. I, I did some, you know, little bit of actual investigative reporting on uh, on, on video piracy hmm. um, um, and then I did a hard-hitting uh, uh, piece on uh, on on television antennas and, and rabbit ears so you know I covered the basis <laughs> getting all the, all the good stuff out there that's great that's right and as an editor versus a writer obviously you your job is to make someone else's work the best it can be. But at the same time, as a writer, you obviously there's egos involved as coming from the writing and then going into editing. Did you ever have any bad experiences with other writers when you tried to edit them or did you pretty much have a good relationship with everyone you worked with? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, as far as that went, I don't recall any problems with anybody. You know, um, I, I didn't have any problem putting aside the writer's ego um, <laughs> to do the to do the editor's job. Right. You know, it was like all right, that's what I'm being paid for. You know, I'm not here to make the artists work better. I'm here to facilitate the artists doing their best. Yeah. That's um, a good way to put it. Um, so, um, you know, if I, if I had to change something, well, you know, it's not a unilateral decision. You discuss it. Um, uh, and if the, if the, if the writer was, you know, vehemently protesting the change and it's like, all right, you know, it's one change in one issue of an ongoing title, you know, yeah. it's, it's so, um, you know, I, I enjoyed the work. In fact, I, I would describe it as, you know, being the fun part of writing hmm. the, um, you know, coming up with the ideas and, and helping shape the idea. Um, you know, if a guy's run into a roadblock in a story, helping work around that, um, you know, but I don't actually have to sit there and write the stuff myself. Right. <laughs> and we're always ask writers, uh, whoever they are, no matter what they do, writer's block is something that everyone's run in, has run into. What do you do when you have writer's block? What gets you over it? Do you have a routine or something you do or something that helps you knock it out? I don't believe in writer's block. Um, oh, okay. I, yeah. I just think it's like you have a bad day. And then you let that fester and turn into two bad days and three bad days and four bad days. You know, you create your own writer's block. Hmm. Um, uh, so if I'm having a bad day, I just stop or I do something else, you know, um, and I get back to it the next day and I'm fine. And <laughs> as an editor, as a writer, was there ever an idea that you had for any of the characters or books that you worked on that didn't get to see the light of day that you still wish had been put out? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I I've got a, you know, I, I got a, a folder of of proposals and 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 stuff, you know, that I've pitched over the years that never got done. 
And uh, I regret every single one of those brilliant things not seeing the light of day. So, <laughs> is there is there a chance that you know you might down the road decide you know what I want to write another comic and pitch this idea? And because now it seems like there's a lot of ideas that people said, well, I, I thought of that way back when, and it, they're now being done. Has has it ever come up where you've decided this idea is really good and I want to pitch it again now? It's that time again. Another commercial break is imminent. We're going to take it now and be right back. Chatting with Paul Kupperberg, please stand by. Hi, this is Alan Burnett, producer, writer for Batman the Animated Series and Batman Beyond, and welcome back to Geek to Me Radio. Welcome back here on Geek to Me Radio. I'm your host, James Enstall, and I want to tell you about our premier sponsor, the City of St. Charles, the Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau. They're the ones who make this show possible. They were the very first people who got behind us when we decided to launch a radio show to talk about pop culture, and they've been with us ever since. The City of St. Charles is a great place to visit. You may be in the greater St. Louis area, and somehow you may not have been to St. Charles lately. Uh, it's right across the bridge. Go on over and check it out. Lots of fun things to see and do. The weather is getting warmer. It's time to get outdoors. It's time to have some fun, and no better place to do it than St. Charles with all the places there are to see and things to do over there. Uh, if you're a foodie, let me tell you, there's a lot of restaurants up and down North Main that are incredible, top-notch stuff. Uh, the, the little small business restaurants, these places that should be supported anyway. Uh, and if you're a little concerned, a lot of them are still doing curbside pickup. So you can check out the website, discoverstcharles.com, for a list of the businesses right along there. Uh, find a good place. If you're just wanting a fix of ice cream, I'm going to say Kilwins right there on First Capital and South Main is a great place. There's fudge. There's candied apples there's caramel apples there's different flavors of ice creams they got sorbet uh if you're wanting something a little bit more adult oriented tompkins house has some great specialty cocktails but literally any place you're gonna go in say yeah we want to try this place you're not gonna be disappointed because it's got a lot of atmosphere and ambiance and a lot of great places to eat a lot of great places to shop and a lot of stuff to see check out the website plan your trip if you're from outside the greater st louis area Please come on out, and you will be just as amazed as we are. That's website, again, discoverstcharles.com for an historically good time. As we took that last break, we chatted with Paul Kupperberg about pitching an older idea. Everything's, everything old is new again, so has he thought about pitching one of his older ideas that didn't get taken then and pitched it now? Um, I, uh, um, no, because um, I don't have that much time to waste in my life uh, <laughs> no i mean you know look i am uh I, I am a senior citizen um and uh everybody who knew me at dc is gone mm. and the only people who ever call me from dc are the occasional editor on the uh on the collected editions to write introductions because somebody has told them that i would i'm old and was around and worked on this stuff. Um, so, um, you know, that's it. Like I couldn't, I guarantee you, I couldn't get something published at DC today with, you know, hmm. with, with, with a threat. So that's a know. shame. Cause I, like I said, your style of storytelling, I, I just, 
especially Supergirl, Doom Patrol. I, I've still got your full run of Vigilante. It was just amazing stuff. And I can't believe, especially with the nostalgic factor, that people wouldn't want to get someone like you back on and say, hey, Paul, would you do a story for this for us or something like that? It seems it seems like a no-brainer yeah. to me. Well, there are no brains. So, yeah. <laughs> that, um, that explains it. No, you know, I, I think it's a fact. Look, you know, you things move on. Like when I started in the mid-'70s, I was, you know, not intentionally and not realizing at the time, but I was displacing, you know, Bob Haney and Bob Kaniger and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, a dozen other guys who were from the previous generation or two, uh, in comics, you know, and in a few years they were no longer working and I was, Hmm. you know, that's the way it works. There's, there's the, there's the new is always better. And, you know, comics has turned into so much showbiz that, yeah, yeah. you know, anybody with gray hair, you know, is like, <laughs> you're old. <laughs> yeah, but old means I've had a lot of experience and gotten good at doing what I do. Exactly. Um, I mean, uh, I, I honestly, a couple of years ago, uh, was talking just the, the at a convention the year before the pandemic. Uh, I was talking to, to a, a, a creator for for a major publisher for dc and um you know somebody i knew from when i worked up there years ago and you know he's relatively successful and and does a lot of stuff and you know he says look you know when i when i have to go up to dc i dye my hair i don't want them to see gray huh you know because i don't want them to realize how old i am because he's in his 50s hmm. so you know, that's that's the reality. You know, I don't know most of the people creating comics these days. I don't know these names. I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know the artist. It's it's, you know, and half the art all looks the same anyway. Yeah. Um, so, you know, hmm. it's um, it's it's no longer the thing I do. Yeah. No, that's and you've got so much other. I mean, all the other like you said, you got the book out now about writing comics. Uh, I, I got to ask, have, I have several books out at the moment. Sure. Yeah. Fact. Yeah. What, I and, have, yeah. Please go ahead. Yeah. Oh, uh, there's, uh, the JSA Ragnarok novel, um, that, uh, also came out at the end of last year. Um, you know, justice society, uh, it was uh, a novel I wrote, uh, about 15 years ago that never got published due to a bunch of, you know, weird circumstances with publishers going bankrupt and stuff. Mm hmm. So uh finally got it published uh, last year. Also available on Amazon.com. And the Justice Society, again, it, the DC Universe originated the Stargirl miniseries. It's now going to go to the CW. Uh, but that was a series I thoroughly enjoyed. I love the JSA. Um, that's that's one of those timeless, I, the Alan Scott Green Lantern and the Jay Garrick Flash and everything Absolutely. like that, Wildcat. Yeah. So that must have been, it must have been nice to have that book finally published if this was something you had started that long ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, it was great. It was, you know, it was just about time. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, I love those characters. You know, the Golden Age characters, they were being reintroduced in the early and mid-60s when I was reading comics, you know. Mm -hmm. Julie was bringing them back in Showcase or Brave and Bold or, you know, the, the Golden Age Green Lantern would show up in, in, the, in, in the current Hal Jordan Green Lantern. yeah. And, Golden Age Adam would pop up in, uh, you know, in, 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 in the Ray Palmer Adam book. 
And, um, yeah, it was just like, oh, my God, all these great, you know, there's there's two of them. And they're, you know, <laughs> there's, wow, you know, mind. And um, the the multiverse was born on my birthday. Oh, really? Yeah. That's, that's a fun thing to say then. It, uh, in uh, Flash 121, uh, 123, when uh, Flash of Two Worlds. Yeah. Um, when Flash races across the bridge and he gets into Keystone Kitty, City, and he um, goes to the newsstand and looks at the newspaper and sees he's in Keystone City and realizes, you know, what's going on. The, the, the date on the newspaper is June 14th, 1961. And my birthday is June 14th. That's perfect. That's a nice, yeah. that's a nice little uh, demarcation for your birthday. So you can tell everyone, hey, guess what? The multiverse that's happened. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Fun um, fact. So, you know, I share that. Um, you know, I guess it must have been the mid-60s and uh, reprinted in a Flash annual. And it just like, you know, boom, I owned it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was there. That, this is mine. I love this stuff, you know. And uh, on the Flash TV show, uh, the the when they first brought back Jay Garrick, yeah, and and that episode where you know the the helmet comes skidding out of that out of that warp, yeah. I was sitting home alone watching that, and I squealed like a little girl. <laughs> and I had a similar reaction when they did that, you know, almost recreation of the Flash of Two Worlds cover. Yes, that was great. Um, you know, so it was like that stuff gets me when I see the the you know the JSA accurately portrayed. In Stargirl, it's like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And I almost hate to ruin that by watching it. You know? <laughs> but, but, but I've heard good things about the Stargirl one. Yeah, I, I, a lot of us who are fans are kind of worried because DC Universe, the you know the streaming service, had a great setup for it. Now that it's going to the CW, there are some of us who are a little worried that the production value might suffer a little bit uh, with some of the CW shows. But then again, Superman and Lois has, has exceeded my expectations on that show. So you just never know. Yeah. And yeah. I've, I've got to ask you too about uh you contributed to the Doctor Who short story collection uh for that <laughs> yes. sixth Doctor story. Have you have you been a, always been a Whovian? Nope. <laughs> so so was that just something you were approached to write for them or how did how did that uh, come about? Um uh the editor is a friend of mine, Steve Seville. Um okay. is a guy I know and and you know he was doing the anthology. I said, "Oh, I'll do one." Um and he said, pick a doctor. He never asked me, you know, I guess people assume because you're a comic fan and been in this business that you're conversant with all this stuff. Right. You know, nobody knows that I have never seen a Terminator movie. Oh, really? Well, they'll know now. I, <laughs> the cat's Nobody out the knows. I've only ever seen um, an alien movie because I was staying at a friend's house and it was kind of like, all right, I'll watch Alien. <laughs> you know, and uh, was was, you know, like underwhelmed, but at least got him off my back. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I don't like horror movies. <laughs> you know, I don't like uh, I don't watch much science fiction, um, you know, so like, you know, I've written Star Trek. It's like, well, I don't I mean, I, I, I grew up watching, you know, I watched the original series. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I got a whole ton of friends who were Star Trek authors. Yeah. So if I have to write a Star Trek thing, I write it and then, you know, send it to Bob Greenberg and say, add a little Trek in there, will you? <laughs> and he'll, you know, throw in a few references and names and and, and boom, it's Star Trek. Um, so um, what I'm saying is my job is to go into unknown character, you know, characters that I don't know anything about 
and just, you know, and find out and write them. Um, you know, with Doctor Who, I grew up in Brooklyn, you know, like I say, in the 60s. And the only exposure I ever had to the stuff uh, was uh, uh, PBS ran the British show, you know, the original stuff yeah. from the uh, 60s. And I would watch it, and I don't think I ever got to an episode. My hmm. attention would wander, and it was like, well, this is a kid's show. And, you know, at the time I was 13 or 14 or 15. And I was like, but no, this is like a kiddie show. This is, this is you know, puffing stuff, but with, you know, Time a weird-looking guy. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but, you know, I did a little research. And, you know, nobody ever, nobody ever accused me of not knowing what I was doing. So. And do you <laughs> just randomly pick the sixth doctor or did you kind of look at them and something and say, oh, that guy looks interesting or was it just a random number pick? Um, um, no, I mean, I was, you know, I had an idea of the different doctors and, and, and I just liked the visual of that one. Yeah. Um, so. Hmm. Yeah. I, again, that, that's another fascinating thing. I never would have expected uh, something like that. And that just having written these characters without being terribly familiar, I guess that's a tribute to you as a writer as well. Well, thank you. Yes. I, I mean, you know, but again, that's the job, you know, like people, where do you get your ideas? Well, you know, I have a subscription service in Albuquerque that sends me 12 a month and I, you know, <laughs> pay for what I use. No, it's my job. That's what I do. You know, writers come up with, with stories. Um, artists think up pictures to draw or, or, or to paint. Um, you know, that's part of the, uh, of the job. And I don't want to keep you too much longer. I appreciate your time today. Uh, in that same vein though, talking about it, you've talked, mentioned Star Trek and Dr. Who you weren't familiar. You wrote these stories. Was there ever a, a character or a series that you worked on where that was the case that you then went back and fell in love with? Like, Oh, you know what? Now I like Dr. Who. And now I really like Star Trek or appreciate it. Was that ever the case? And we're going to take another break. Come right back and finish our chat with Paul Kupperberg. Please stand by. Hi, this is Greg Weissman, the creator of Gargoyles and co-creator of Young Justice. And you're listening to geek to me Radio. Stay well. And as we wrap up the show here, uh, we're talking with Paul Kupperberg this hour. As we mentioned during the broadcast, you can find him at TerrificCon, July 30th through August 1st. He'll be up there uh, signing autographs. You can meet him. A lot of other great artists and everything, too. TerrificCon's not sponsoring the show, but it's a really a great con. And I just mentioned it because Mitch puts on a fantastic show. So if you're looking at doing Comic Cons, if you're maybe wanting to get out of your bubble, I'd recommend TerrificCon in Uncasville, Connecticut. Uh, just go to TerrificCon.com. And you'll be able to meet Paul Kupperberg and a lot of other great people like Jerry Ordway, uh, some of the cast of Justice League, Susan Eisenberg, and people like that. Also want to mention before we get back into the show here, June 20th, we have our live radio show that we do on Sunday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We're going to do Friends Trivia. We're going to have some different prizes available. Uh, you're going to call in, answer a Friends Trivia question about the TV show Friends. And if you get the answer correct, your name goes in a drawing and we'll pull your name out for the prize at the end of the night. So uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Put your thinking caps on, start binging those episodes of Friends and get ready for Friends trivia. Then June 27th, we're going to have more comic creators on the air with us live. We're going to have Dan Slott and Rick Burchett on talking about their run on She-Hulk that they did and a lot of other stuff. We'll kind of pick their brain about, obviously, Rick doing Batman the Animated Series and, of course, Rick with Superior... I'm sorry, 
Dan with Superior Spider-Man. Uh, so a lot to talk about. We're very excited for that. And then July 4th, Dean Devlin. We're talking about the Leverage Reunion. So make sure you listen to us every Sunday night on the Big 550 KTRS. If you're not in the greater St. Louis area, you can stream the show, ktrs.com slash stream. We do also broadcast the shows on Twitch TV and on Facebook and on YouTube and on Instagram. Just find geek to me Radio. Make sure you follow me on all those social media platforms. I greatly appreciate your support and following me along those lines as well. Wrapping up our conversation with Paul Kupperberg, we'd asked him if he'd ever written a character that he was unfamiliar with, as he mentioned he had done with Doctor Who and Star Trek and things like that. But uh, then after he wrote that character, he went back and kind of did a deep dive and fell in love with those characters after he'd written them. Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) A succinct answer. I like it. There there were, were, uh, you know, characters I wrote that I worked for. You know, I didn't. I've done short stories for uh, Green Hornet and the Avengers. Uh, not the Avengers, but the Avenger, the, the, the pulp character. Yeah. Um, you know, I've done uh, Cold Jack, uh, you know, things like that. And, you know, I'm familiar with them. Um, you know, I watched the Night Stalker movies when they were originally on. Mm-hmm. And to write them again, I just, you know, nowadays you just go online and you watch an episode. And, you know, yada, yada oh, you got the speech pattern. You know, there's a shtick because every episode, you know, you can watch one episode of Columbo yeah. and you've seen them all. <laughs> this is true. You know, you know, and it's the same with every TV show, you know, no matter what it is, you know, the, the what brings people back is the repetition. You know, it's just you just change like Law and Order has lasted, you know, millions oh of God. episodes. Yeah. And, you know, they're all basically the same kind of thing. You know, but that's what people want. I just had that discussion with someone about the James Bond franchise, because basically the James Bond is he gets an assignment. He goes out. He meets a girl. That girl dies. He gets together with another girl, finds the villain. Villain place blows up and he flies away in a vehicle or sails off in a vehicle. And that's pretty much the same James Bond plot device for the past 30, 40 years. Right. But there is that people keep coming back, obviously. Yeah, that's that's what that's what people want. They want what they're familiar with. And last question before I let you go with uh, now the pandemic coming to an end. Uh, what what are your plans? Do you are you, are there some things you haven't done, like going to see movies and movie theaters or you're going to start doing more conventions? What uh, what do you have planned for 2021 post pandemic? <laughs> I am so friggin boring. My my life will not change very much. Right. I will. I will continue doing what I do. You know, movie theaters are nice occasionally, but around here it's all become like you got to book your seats in advance and you got to, you know, it's like, I, I want to go and buy a friggin' ticket, you right, know, right. Just let me stand in line and buy a ticket. And if it's sold out, I'll see something else. Come on, please. <laughs> um, and, and you know, it, it's just become a hassle. And with streaming services, it's like, you know, even if they charge 20 bucks to see the movie, well, that's still cheaper than the two of us going to see a movie, Yeah, you know? And, um, uh, I don't need to see it on a big screen. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like you've weathered the pandemic. Well, then again, I always say as an introvert, it wasn't terribly hard on me either. Cause you tell me to stay inside and read a book. I'm happy. That's fine. Yeah. And you know, I'm a curmudgeon. So everybody, you know, <laughs> That's, uh, I think we should end it right there. That'll be the last thing you say. That. <laughs> But this has uh, been a total delight to talk to you. Like I said, I'm a huge fan. I've got so many. I'm, I'm going to have to bring a small suitcase for stuff for you to sign when I meet you at Terrificon. 
Oh, dear God. Yes. All the things. It'll be very exciting. But uh, and you're obviously on Twitter. Where else can people find you if they want to uh, keep up with you, if they want to buy your book online? Do you have a website and things like that as well? Yes, I do. Uh, uh, my website is uh, paulkupperberg.com. And, um, you know, all my my recent books have pages up there that you can kind of scroll through and, and, and see what's available. There's uh, like I say, there's the how to write comics. There's the JSA. There's uh, uh, the uh, son of uh, Paul, uh, son of the unpublished uh, comic book scripts of Paul Kupperberg, which publishes a bunch of uh, 1990s, 80s and 90s uh unpublished Green Lantern stories and, mm. and other things that uh, the scripts thereof. Um, and uh, there's a one that just came out uh, the other day. It just became available on, on uh, uh, Amazon. It's called Emma's Landing. And it's a young adult novel about a, uh, about a young woman who's transplanted from her native New York to the Everglades of Florida and, uh, and fantasy and time travel ensues. Perfect. And again, if you're listening to this right now, I can't recommend going to Terrificon highly enough. Paul will probably have copies of all these books there. You can get them signed and meet the man himself. Uh, Paul Kupperberg, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an amazing speaking with you. Thanks. I had a lot of fun. That's going to do it. Another show in the books. My thanks to Paul Kupperberg for being a guest on the show. Thanks to our sponsors, the Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau, discoverstcharles.com, and of course our official movie sponsor, Marcus Theaters, marcustheaters.com. Thanks, as always, to Joey V for making this show sound as good as it does and for all his help with social media and videos and everything he's been doing behind the scenes. Uh, make sure you check out the website, geek2meradio.com, and uh, if you like what we do, let Joey know because he works very hard to make this as good of a show as it can possibly be. Until next week, my friends. It's not in the way you watch I zombie. It's not in the way you watch the flash. It's not in the way you love Scotty Young Arts. It's not in the way you play Mario Kart. It's not in the way you look when you make him and throw references. That's a show. Daily Planet. Good night. Hey, kids. Are your parents about to buy you a shiny new toy from Amazon? Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Well, don't be selfish. Share some of that money with us. Before going on Amazon, make sure to type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. It will look just like Amazon.com, except it'll say Referral geek to me Radio up top. And then when you check out, a tiny percentage will go to support the show without costing you one cent more. So before your parents get you that gizmo, gadget, or widget, make sure they type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser bit.ly slash geek to me bit.ly slash geek to me